All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. First up, a beloved novel transformed into a musical, Sue Monk Kids, The Secret Life of Bees. With a new book by two-time Pulitzer Prize winner Lynn Nottage and the music composed by two-time Tony Award winner Duncan Sheik, The Secret Life of Bees received three nominations, including Outstanding Musical. Set against the passing of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, a South Carolina teenager tries to escape her bigoted and abusive father. She is also on a quest to learn more about her mom. Joining her on this journey is her housekeeper, who's really her caretaker, Rosaline, played by Seikon Simble, who must leave town because she angered and was beaten by a mob of locals when she simply tried to vote. The two end up at the home of the Boatwright sisters in search of something. Variety called the musical, quote, a glorious musical of faith, hope, and honey. This show has buzz to it. I spoke with Lynn Nottage, Duncan Sheik, and Seikon Simblu about The Secret Life of Bees when it was playing at the Atlantic Theater. I began by asking Lynn why she decided to work on this musical. Let's listen. Well, I read the book and immediately I was so moved by it. And then I discovered that I would be collaborating with the great Susan Birkenhead and Duncan Sheik and it became very easy for me. But in in some ways, the book spoke to my heart because it's a book about trauma and the way in which we move through trauma and heal. And it's a spiritual book and it's um, a book about building community. And I thought this moment in time, it's something that I personally feel is very important. You are a big researcher. Yes. And this is your first time writing a book for a musical. What kind of research did you do about writing a book for a musical? You know, the wonderful thing about writing a book for a musical is that the characters have already been uh, developed. And Sue Monk Kidd did a lot of the research herself. But the book takes place in 1964, which is the year I was born. And so it was really, for me, quite a delight to be able to go in and investigate what was happening in the South in 1964. It's also a book about the civil rights movement. Mm And it takes place on uh, at the very beginning of the the um, Civil Rights Act, which um, happened July third or July second. People will call in to <laughs> correct me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it really allowed me <laughs> yes. to to revisit that moment in time with a kind of specificity yeah. that I I haven't before. But it's really but you don't it's not you don't hit us over the head with it. It's not too on the nose. I mean, that's sort of, well, that's the, the that's your talent, that's your skill to, to bring it to us, but not hit us with it. Well, you know, I think one of the things that we wanted to do, and we talked a lot about, is um, filter the storytelling through a 14-year-old who really doesn't know that much about what's happening in her, mm-hmm. her hometown. And she's a 14-year-old white girl. So how do we explain to her what's happening with the African-American population at that time? How do we explain to her um, w- what it means to build um, a community of resistance and a community of resistance? And and so that's the story that we wanted to tell. So, Duncan, you have a little bit of a head start in the research area because you are from South Carolina. Yeah, I, I grew up in, on Hilton Head, and um, there were m- many sort of Gullah and Geechee communities right near nearby, like Defusky Island. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, when I was like 
seven, eight years old, we'd go camping over there and it would be like, oh, there's the pink house and there's the blue house and there's the <laughs> lime colored house. And, you know, it was sort of like, it was mysterious and wonderful, but we sort of didn't understand it because we were like these white kids, you know, who were just going camping over into Fusky. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, but I think I, I maybe, I mean, I'm hoping I sort of took some of that energy in. And then, you know, when, when I, I, like Lynn, I went to Brown and I was a... Whoop, whoop. Sorry. What? We're sorry. talking about the mafia. Uh, sorry, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but but I was uh, f- briefly a religious studies major, oh. and I sort of was studying about sort of syncretic religiosity and how, <clears throat> you know, when 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 you know when slaves were brought over to to America, they were sort of forced to become Christian, but they underneath. Mary and Jesus, they had their carried their own spiritual. They carried their yeah. their own spiritual practice. So that that sort of interweaving was really really um, powerful to me, and I think that's something that's really important in the show. Even though we don't we don't express it explicitly, but, but it's, it's there. It's there. Yeah. And yeah. The, and the civil rights aspect is there. That's where we want to bring in Rosaline. Yes. Uh, where is she in her life when we meet her? When you meet Rosaline, she is a caretaker to a young girl. She is um, a somewhat abandoned uh, young girl herself, young woman. And she's really hungry and thirsty to be able to have the opportunity to vote. You know, she's just bursting at the seams with possibility. And so having that opportunity to vote, hearing about it on the radio, learning about what's happening, and then having those dreams squashed, I think is one of the, uh, I mean, it's, I guess, an inciting incident, I guess, for, mm-hmm. for the story. And and it's a, it's a really powerful thing for this young woman who is a domestic to try to go for these dreams, have them squashed, but then have herself open to a world where she goes and sees these women in a pink house living this amazing, um, amazingly independent life and experiencing those traces of the African diaspora and seeing how it all sort of lines up. You know, that's one of my favorite things about the show because Rosaline, Rosaline's life can be hard. <clears throat> Pardon me. Rosaline's life can be hard, but the the joy that um, Sakon gets to experience watching um, the three sisters and and the the daughters of Mary and how they're celebrating and how they present the Black Mary is just a thrill. It's a thrill every night. And can I add to that? I mean, one of the things that I really um, <laughs> in, enjoyed about working on this is that um, the three sisters, um, August, June, and May, are these African American women who've really forged a community that's idiosyncratic, that's independent. And um, and that's rich and religious and um, representative who they want to be and um, in opposition to the white patriarchy, which is outside, which I feel is trying to oppress them. And I love that it's a joyful community, that it is this joy, this community of resistance. Mm-hmm. What books and instruments, you know, just as looking through the eyes of Rosaline coming to this home and seeing these women. Just even there's a scene where I'm we're looking at the machines that they use to separate the honey and just seeing these these women who are running their own farm and how the the people say, Oh, it's the best honey in the in the uh, in the area, like they're entrepreneurs, you know? Yeah. 
My guests are Lynn Nottage, Sekhan Sembla, and Duncan Sheik. We're talking about The Secret Life of Bees, the musical. I'm so interested in the pacing of the music, Duncan, because Sekhan has this barn burner song <laughs> that might be in the first 20 minutes. The, I mean, well, yeah. Si- and well, it's just si- like, sign I, my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is just a big... Barn burner, I love it. Yeah, you know, you're in, you get it. <laughs> and sometimes in musicals, that comes a little... Later, later on, on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. what was the thought process behind having that so early on well that was one of the first songs that we wrote t- together um and it, it it that really had just to do with the with the narrative arc of the story and so so it, that comes fairly early in the story so it's one of the first things we worked on and, and I sang a version of it at at a at a fundraiser mm-hmm. a couple of years ago I think mm-hmm. like when as we were doing readings and workshops that song yeah it was always a good good solid barn burner I love (laughs) to use that word yeah that's already there and we also wanted to begin with a song that felt very joyful and optimistic and then it's disrupted and then yeah (laughs) and then immediately you go into this much darker place right because she's singing about how she's gonna vote she's gonna take advantage of this this is a huge huge opportunity and then she is she's beaten by this white mob yeah Lynn what was the process of working with the lyricist um, I, I actually had a very intimate process of Susan. working with Susan Birkenhead, who is an extraordinary lyricist. I'd never written a musical before, and so she was really the crutch that I leaned on and really guided me very beautifully through this process. I mean, she's a veteran, and she told me early on that the book, um, as a book writer, my role is, is really to, um, to nurture and support the storytelling but I have to get out of the way for the lyricist and the composer to do the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And for me as a playwright, that was hard because mm-hmm. my my first impulse is always to do the heavy lifting, to do the storytelling. And I realized that when you're writing a musical that the lyricist is doing the most expansive work. Mm-hmm. And in some ways it made my job a little easier. Okay, but I'm gonna blow smoke for a second <laughs> because I've seen what Lynn has done over the course of the past couple weeks where ev- like line by line, it's gotten so much more concise and yeah. perfect. Every line is economically. It, yeah, yeah, t- and, and so I, I really appreciate what, what's happened over the past few weeks, you know, as we've but, been working on it. But yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing about building a musical that it is an intimate process. As a playwright, I'm used to working by myself even though theater is a collaborative medium, making a musical is much more col- collaborative. It's really taking all of these idiosyncratic voices and people who want to rule over their own fiefdom. A lot of cooks and, in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. and um, <laughs> learning how to be communal yeah. and learning how yeah. to respect each other and ultimately create work that um, is in one single voice. All of it is supported by Majuri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Majuri has taken the guesswork out of gifting, offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it.